Thank you, platform workers and musicians. We, uh, I'm really looking forward to the revival with Tony Chase. It's going to be very, very good. I've heard he's preached a couple of places recently. I believe he even preached on the Cape recently, and uh, it went very, very, very well. And so we're going to have a great time there. First Corinthians 16, Hudson Taylor was a missionary to inland China. He had... Um, made inroads that uh, today are still even being felt. One of our pastors who was over there when, we, when the door was open and went into China met a young, an older lady, uh, well, well-aged, who had a Bible that her mother had given her that had come from Hudson Taylor's Inland China Missions. And a very precious Bible through all the communist years when they confiscated Bibles and were against the Word of God. Very precious, precious book. He's a great read. His autobiography is called The Spiritual Secrets of Hudson Taylor. In that book, he tells a story. He tells a story about a man whom he simply called Peter. If you've ever met Chinese people and as a westerner tried to pronounce their name it is very difficult so a lot of them adopt english sounding names this man adopted peter i've actually met in china michael jackson elvis uh things like that peter was on a boat he was not saved hudson was going in down river to uh, preach in, in the inland of China, going down. Tutson had gone down below and had fallen uh, asleep. On the top of the boat, he heard a commotion. It awoke him. He ran up to the top of the boat. Peter, who was not saved, had fallen into the water and had not surfaced. Hudson began to jump into the river and try to find and save this man. There were some fishermen nearby. And he called them over. He said, would you come and help? And they replied, it's not convenient. He said, I'll give you a day's wage if you come and help. It's not convenient. That was their reply. That was their mantra. After he finally raised it to four times a day's wage... They came to help, but at that point it was too late. They did find Peter, but he never did recover. I want to talk to you about a sermon I've implied, I've called, It's Not Convenient. Because this is an excuse that many people use, and it simply is an excuse. People are being lost Ministry, Christianity, whatever is being sacrificed on the altar of convenience. First Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 10. When Timothy comes, don't, uh, don't intimidate him. He is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. Do not let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing When he returns to me, I expect uh, him to come with other believers. Now about Apollos, I urged him to visit you 
as other believers, but he was not willing to do that uh, to go right now. He will see you later when he has the opportunity. Paul is ending this letter and he's contrasting two men, Timothy and Apollos. I want to talk to you firstly about Apollos. We don't know much about Apollos, but we do know his beginning. Apollos started as a great potential. Apollos started as a man that you would look at and go, that man is going some places. In Acts chapter 18 is where we're introduced to Apollos. It says, meanwhile, in Acts 18, 24 through 28, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker, who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in uh, in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he had been uh, 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 taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew uh, about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going on to Archaea, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus urged him to go. So they wrote the believers in Archaea, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be a great benefit to those Uh, who by the grace of God had believed. He refuted with the Jews powerful arguments in public debates. He used the scriptures and he explained that Jesus was the Messiah. Now here we meet Apollos. We don't know much about his background except that he had come out of Egypt. uh, And here he comes, he's a believer. Now he was a good Baptist believer is what it's really saying. It would be the equivalent today. He was genuinely saved. I have met even Calvinists that are genuinely saved. I met a few that I wonder about. I met one that murdered his wife, but that's another story for another sermon. But I have met those who are genuinely love God, worship God, but they don't understand the thought of Pentecost. They don't understand being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why it says he only taught the way of John's baptism. The repentance of sins. But listen to the attributes that it rains upon this man. It tells us that he was bold. He would go to the synagogues and he would refute with the elders there proving that Jesus was the Messiah. It says he knew the scriptures. It was not a man that made it up as he went. That, oh, you know, you know, I've heard preachers and Christians talk, and they talk like a bullhead. It's a point here, a point there, and a lot of bull in the middle. And it's like, what's that? You know, he knew the scriptures. He could put the scriptures out there and say, this is what the Lord has said. Thus saith the Lord. He was a man who was teachable. Aquila and Priscilla, these are disciples of Paul the Apostle. They appear a number of times in scriptures. Uh, They met in Ephesus. They would pastor in Rome. They have a whole great story that I believe I preached on. But they are there. It's a a couple there that they're pastoring now in Ephesus. Paul has gone on. They're there in Ephesus 
preaching and ministering, they meet this man and they begin to explain to him the way of the Lord more accurately. Or that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That there was more to it. He was open to that. He didn't try to tell them that they were wrong. He just was open to that. This gifted man had a great spirit. Adam Clark says of him that he was an eloquent man or... He, he, he had strong rhetoric powers, highly cultivated, no doubt, in the Alexandrian schools. This was uh, in uh, northern Egypt. It was uh, a major port. It was one of their major cities uh, that they had there, and it would have the schools. It would be under Roman influence at that time. And so it would have been a place where was known for producing eloquent speakers and politicians. He comes out of that. He was obviously, the Bible tells us, a Jew, but he was a genuine Jew. You know, there's cultural Jews and there's religious Jews. And these religious Jews, he knew the scriptures. Fervent in spirit, zeal to propagate the truth. He taught diligently and accurately. So the word should be, uh, as literally as the word should be translated, according to Adam Clark. Here's the man. Incredible, good spirit, fervent, knows the scriptures. Zealous, teaching people, traveling about, wants to witness, wants to make a stand, preach for Jesus. And he goes to Ephesus and he meets on a divine encounter. I don't believe it was a chance encounter, a divine encounter, Aquila and Priscilla. They help him. They disciple him. They can tell this man's spirit and they give him a letter, send him on his way to, to go to Achaia. And he ends up in the city of Corinth. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 Well, Apollos was in Corinth. Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. It is believed that it is probable that Apollos pioneered the church in Corinth. That he was the first one to go there, begin to preach, begin to gather believers, begin to hold uh, Bible study services, however they did it in the early days. The, the actual structure of a service is never really given to us of how the New Testament church did it. And so they would have these services, these, he would teach the Bible, and he was there for a while. We know this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes and says, Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. Or, I follow Peter. Or, I follow Christ. And so there were some divisions in the church because they were all lining up. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm this guy's disciple. I'm this guy's disciple. You know, whatever it was. But he's listed there in that list that these were believers that had, uh, that uh, uh, these were rather pastors who had been in Corinth. And Apollos is on that list. We know others were there. We know others 
made that list, but Paul puts it there, and most likely it was because he was the pioneer pastor. We read about him briefly in 1 Corinthians. We read about him briefly in the book of Acts. And then it will be 30 years later before we hear about him. Our text tells us that Paul had asked Apollos to go to Corinth. Corinth, if you read 1 Corinthians, was a mess. They had all sorts of divisions and carnality in the church. They had immorality, such as like, you know, somebody's messing around with their stepmom. And they're not dealing with it. They got believers suing one another. They've got controversy over the Lord's Supper. They've got idolatry issues in the church. Paul deals with these constantly. They've got false teachers who have come saying the rapture's already happened. You've, you suckers missed it. And on and on and on and on it goes. How these issues in Corinth were there. Paul writes and he asks him, Apollos, would you go? And Apollos' response is, yeah, when I get to it. This is deadly in Christianity. Our text, verse 12, now about our brother Apollos, I urged him. That has to do with a little force. I put some heavy force on him to visit you with the other believers, but he is not willing right now. He will see you later when he gets an opportunity. It's fascinating here how convenience overruled the kingdom of God. This is leadership asking, the Apostle Paul asking Apollos to go. He's not moved by this. I'm going to read a number of translations of this particular. I besought him much to come to you. I begged him that he would go to you. I greatly desired him to come unto you. I pressed him strongly to go to you. I urged him, I urged, uh, urgently encouraged him to visit you. But he had other agendas. Convenience now overruled any desire to help them. He couldn't be pushed. He couldn't be urged. He couldn't be encouraged. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a man who just like that. His name is Jonah. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them to repent. He's in modern day Israel. This is modern day Iraq. He's just got to travel a few hundred miles and be there. Take him a few days to get there on a caravan. He says, no, Lord. And he buys a ticket on a boat to go to Spain. He says, I'm out of here. I'm going to the beaches of Spain because I don't know if you know this, but Barcelona is nicer this time of year than Baghdad. 
I don't know if you knew that. And you could say that any time of the year. <laughs> Baghdad's the middle of the desert, Barcelona. I'm told it's beautiful. I've never been there, but I've told it's beautiful. His attitude caused great problems. God not only didn't bless him, but almost killed him. If you've ever had a teenager or been a teenager, you can relate to this. Mom tells you, I want you to clean your room, take out your trash, whatever, to ask you to do something. I need you to do this. Yeah, mom. A little later, when I'm finished this level, when I finish this thing, when that, you know, my favorite television show is over, whatever it might be. It's saying, yeah, I know this needs to be done, but when it's convenient. And nine times out of ten, that's really saying in a clan, in a nice little way, no, not a chance. But because you love your mother, and you should love your mother, you don't lie, I, I, you know, you don't blatantly say, no, mom, I ain't doing that. I know you cook and clean, carry me for nine months and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I ain't, I ain't taking that sink of trash out. You don't want to say that. So you say, when it's convenient. It's very easy to do. People couldn't move him. As I mentioned, there were all kinds of problems there. And they needed some help. And Apollos wasn't, wasn't interested. You know, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, for even though you have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have a few spiritual fathers. Because I have fathered you in Christ Jesus when I preach the good news to you. You know, Paulus was one of those fathers. And yet, the needs in Corinth wouldn't move him. The needs of the moment wouldn't move him. He was stuck. Couldn't do it. Some people aren't moved by the needs of sinners, the needs of a city, the needs of a nation. They're just not moved. Doesn't bother them that people are going to hell by the 747 loads right now. Doesn't bother you at all. Think about this man. His future didn't move him. He would get a reputation of being the guy you can't rely on. I asked him to do this and nah. When it's convenient. Totally overshadowed now in the book of Acts, he totally disappears from Scripture. Except for one time, which we'll get to. Convenience is usually an excuse for I don't want to. It's not convenient. Translated, I don't want to do it. Jesus tells a parable that we won't probably look at. He said a man prepared a feast. And he invited some people. He invited the first one. This is in Luke 14, 16 through 20. He said, come, my banquet's ready. And they began to make excuses. 
One said, hey, I've just purchased a field. I've got to go see this field. I pray have me excused. The second one said, hey, I have five yoke of oxen. I've got to prove these things. It's going to take me some time. Please have me excused. The other one just said, I married a wife. Never says, please have me excused. Just, no, man, I married a wife. The age-old Genesis issue, blame the wife. When the servant returned to the master and told the master what they had said, the master was furious and said, go out to the streets and the alleys and to the towns and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. If it wasn't for my responsibilities, if it wasn't for my job, if it wasn't for my family, I'd do exactly what God wants me to do. And that's the excuses that Jesus says infuriated the master. Because it wasn't convenient. And after a missionary to Africa was once asked, do you like it there? His his response was, no. I hate the poverty. I hate the inhumane treatment of other people. I hate the bugs. I hate the heat. I hate the smells. I hate the open sewer. I miss the comforts of home. I miss my loved ones. But this is not what I was, but this is what I was called to do. It's not about liking it. It's about loving God and His call for my life. Acts, uh, Luke chapter 8, in the parable we will look at next week. Some of the seed fell among the thorns, which represent those who hear the message, but are too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow to maturity. Read, again, what he says. I will come when I have an opportunity This is the overall thought of it. The Greek words there are literally, at my leisure. At my leisure. I've been doing a lot of flying lately. Back and forth in Florida. And they will start the announcements at the boarding of a plane. Concierge and... Platinum Elite members are welcome to board now or at their leisure. And then they'll offer it to U.S. military personnel in first class. You can get on whenever they want. If you translate that in a cynical way, it's like, and the rest of you peons can wait till, you know, later. But the understanding of... of, of you know, that at my leisure is when I deem it, not when God, not when others, when I deem it the proper time. God, let me break your heart. God doesn't work on your schedules. Sorry. Revival is an intrusion in your life. When God begins to move, new converts, it's an intrusion into your life. God didn't mind coming to Abraham and saying, you know what? Get out of your land, your country, land I will show you. 
Didn't mind that at all. Didn't mind intruding on his life. Little shepherd boy, just minding some sheep. All of a sudden, God comes. You're king. God didn't mind intruding on his life. God didn't mind taking a little slave girl and saying, you're going to be queen and save your nation. Didn't bother God at all. God doesn't ask your opinion for his will. He just desires to do it and he will invade your life. It's very interesting that 2 Corinthians... never mentions Apollos. Paul writes it, and you can decide on yourself. Some believe that it's actually two letters that Paul had written that they kind of made as one or however, but regardless of that, he's not mentioned at all there. The next time he is mentioned is in Titus, the book of Titus, the letter to Titus, which was probably written some 10 to 15 years later. It says, do everything you can to help Zeninus the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. Then Paul, out of that thought, says, our people must learn to do good by meeting urgent needs of others then they will not be unproductive. Now, you cannot separate those. Paul looks at this. He's writing, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's Zeninus that got him to go and do and finally go to Corinth, uh, but Titus is on Crete. Now, if you, again, I'll just give you a quick little geography lesson. Crete would be on the way... Uh, if they were taking a boat out of Alexandria, which is a port city, they would stop on the island of Crete on their way to Greece. So it would be very practical that finally Apollos, 15 years later, says, I'll do it. 15 years later says, you know what? I'm finally going to get around to that. Others say he might have even retired on Crete. But the trip was probably to go back to Greece. Adam Clark again says that they not be unfruitful, for they must be, uh, they must, as they must be, if they are indulging themselves in idle, slothful disposition. We can conclude that Apollos lost 10 years of his life for any productivity for God because it wasn't convenient. That's a long time. He was mightily gifted, an eloquent speaker, gifted in the scriptures, had all the starting potential you could imagine. But convenience sacrificed his future because that's what he'd rather have. And he fades into biblical history. Contrasted with this in this text is Timothy. Timothy is the man, and I'm going to date myself, and there's going to be a few that will remember this. He was savoir faire. He was everywhere. 
She's an old cartoon character. We read about Timothy in Ephesus, in Philippi, 1 Corinthians 4.17. I have sent Timothy to you, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you how I follow the Lord, uh, how I follow Christ Jesus and teach you as he teaches in every church wherever I go. He traveled with the Apostle Paul quite a bit. He was making his way back to the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy. Paul tells him to bring Mark, John Mark, with him. And we don't know if John ever went, but we do know that was his mark. How willing are you to be inconvenienced for the Lord? God doesn't mind inconveniencing you. Not, doesn't bother him at all. Paul, think about Timothy. There weren't airplanes, automobiles, or trains. Much of the travel was done either by carriages, and I I read a great quote about carriages, how they were so uncomfortable, but you dared not move because all you'd do is bruise another place on your bottom. They were just rough to ride on. Much was done with walking. About 16 miles a day could be done if you just walked. And he would go. No excuses. When we read about Timothy, when he comes on the scene, it says that Paul went to Deborah. And Lister, this is Acts 16. There was a young man there named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer and his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystria and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join him on his journey. And in defense to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. This is fascinating to me. And if you read the Bible and understand that in Acts chapter 15, they had just had the meeting in Jerusalem saying that we're not going to make circumcision mandatory like some Jews were trying to teach. And yet Timothy's willing to do that because what that's saying is he's willing to go the extra to serve God, to be effective. He's willing to give even when it's not convenient. And as Apollos fades away, Timothy rises to be the heir apparent of the Apostle Paul's ministry. I have seen people willing to be inconvenienced. I have a good friend, his name is Peter Mayor. Peter and Hanukkah, pastor in, in, uh, in Holland. They pastored a great church in Breda, Holland, the Netherlands. There was a church that had started through a rather bizarre scenario. A pioneer pastor went to Aruba, got things kind of started there, but then it kind of fell apart. He came back to the Netherlands. One man who gotten saved was from Peru. He went back to his hometown and started a Bible study that basically grew into a conference center in Tri- Triola, Peru. 
This man, though, wasn't ethical. And eventually, found out he was in adultery and had to be removed. Pastor Mayor got a call, and he was willing to take over that church. And he spent seven years there. Tall Dutch people, short Peruvian people. Very different. Couldn't hide in a crowd. I could in Lithuania. If I just kept my mouth shut, they thought I was either Russian or, or something else. And they just, they, you know, I looked like them. Didn't stand out. But Peru, they weren't going to hide in the crowd. They were all, his wife is, over, is taller than me. Peter's huge and his wife is taller than me. He said yes. His father made the comment to him while they were packing their things and ready to go. He said, you know, most people plan a vacation in more time than you're planning on moving your entire family to another country. I actually got to go to his house in the midst. I had been, I was preaching in Holland, went and saw them, and then we went in, and, and their, their whole, you know, every, their, their life was in boxes, ready to go on a container or into storage or whatever. And they were going to go to Peru. Pastor Mitchell, 80 years old, there's a need in Perth, Australia. He and his wife were willing to go again, 80 years old. It wasn't convenient, but he was willing to do it. That may not be what you and I will be called to do, but one of the reasons I love my son-in-law is he's willing to do that. It was Friday night of a Holland Bible conference Pastor Mitchell was talking to the leader at the time and said, are you planning a church? And he said, no. He said, come on. Pastor Mitchell said, well, it's not a Bible conference if you don't plan a church. And the pastor picks up the phone, calls my son-in-law, says, will you go? He said, yeah. Half an hour notice. My daughter's literally in the service, Googling the name of the city to find out where they're going. I could go on the Heinbergs, sitting next to his grandfather, Pastor Mitchell, watching the conference video, turns to his grandfather and says, I could go to India. We could go to, we'd go to India. Thinking this would be further down the line. Pastor Mitchell starts his announcements of church planning and he says, yeah, and one young man just spoke to me tonight and he goes, better tell my wife. (laughs) I could go on, but you get the point. People who are willing to be inconvenienced and simply say yes. The interesting reality of these two men are the trajectory of their lives. At one time, you probably would have seen them side by side and said, man, they're, yeah, they're both going to do something. Apollos might even be better. Eloquent, a little older, knew the scriptures, 
bold, preaches, accurately, teachable, but convenience. Convenience ruined him. And at the end, it's more of a rebuke. Yeah, he's on his way. And remember, teach people. Like he's, a, he's the poster child of people who let convenience derail them. Very, very profitable. I want to close with this. There's a book called Derailed. It is about a number of CEOs that took over prosperous companies and almost destroyed them. There's a number of reasons. Fascinating book. Home Depot, Hewlett Packard. Numbers of companies are in there that you would know. When Miss Fontaine took over Hewlett Packard, very prosperous company, she bought Compact, which began to be kind of their undoing. She almost bankrupted this company. It was actually Hewlett of Hewlett Packard, one of the sons who stepped back in to, to salvage the company from what and the trajectory they were going. In her closing speech, which lasted 90 seconds, a minute and a half, she said, I, me, or mine, 30 times. Totally self-consumed. That's the spirit behind convenience. That's the spirit that derails. That's what Timothy did not have. That's what Apollos did. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not right with God. Maybe you've said, I'll do it when it's more convenient. And I've shared this, the old saying lately, those who plan to get saved in the 11th hour often die at 1030. Sometimes we're not given the promises or the time that we think we have to get things right. But the glorious thing is Jesus is here now and so are you. And you have an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Christ that you can be saved and know the blessing and the favor and the forgiveness of God. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God, I wonder if you'd quickly slip up your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I'm not right with God. Thank God. Anyone else want to join an honest heart? Very quickly say, you know what, that's me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. Or maybe you're backslidden. Maybe this issue of convenience is what has derailed you. You want to come back to Jesus very quickly. Slip up your hand. Amen. You lifted your hand. Would you look at me? Come find a place to pray. The rest of us, I want to just encourage you. Timothy is the example that you and I can look to. Apollos is there. Great potential. Totally lost on the altar of convenience. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Find a place to pray, talk to God. Sing a song, worship His name.
Father, we thank you, God. We love you. Lord, that you are able and mighty, glorious and victorious. Oh, thank God. Thank God.